Let's spend some time in prayer before we open God's Word. Lord, it's so good to gather together on the first day of the week and remember that you walked out of the grave and said we could too. You and you alone are worthy of our worship. Lord, we are a needy people. We've gathered because we need you and you know our needs and pray that you would meet our needs. Lord, we're thankful for your word. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us as we open your word. Forgive the one who speaks for sins or many. Help us to see Jesus. Lord, help us to leave here more in love with Jesus than when we came. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're walking through the book of 1 Timothy. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and when you get there, what I encourage you, I'm going to go all over the place. Leave your Bible there. This will be our homepage. But um, I like to mix it up a little bit. So let's stand when I, while I read this passage, okay? There are churches that always stand to hear God's Word. It kind of helps people pay a little more attention. So in 1 Timothy 3, verse 14, I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Uh, you, you may be seated. I want to play a little game with you, okay? So I, I don't be afraid to speak out. Uh, our nation really needs Jesus, very good, that's good, that's good. Really, our nation really needs Jesus, okay? Our church really needs... Oh, thank you, I was so afraid you were going to say a new pastor, a new pastor. Uh, thank you, I love that. Our, our church really needs Jesus. A little closer to home, my family really needs Jesus, right? Isn't that true? All right, and then really close, uh, I really need Jesus, right? Do you know I have the best job in all the world? What I get to do all week long is I get to look at Jesus. And then on Sunday, I get to come in and share with you what I've seen. And I am so, so excited what we're going to be learning about today. Because what we're going to be learning about today is that church leaders show people Jesus. Uh, our elders, our disciple makers, our, our children's ministry leaders, what we get to do is we get to show people Jesus. That's what we do. And the reason we're so excited about that is I don't believe anything would change our lives more than seeing Jesus. I don't think anything would transform our families more than seeing Jesus. I don't think there's anything that would change our church more than seeing Jesus. I don't think there's anything that would change our nation more than seeing Jesus. And what do I dream about? You ever seen little baby uh, birds in the nest? And what do they do? They just open their mouth, right, and say, what? Feed me. Can you imagine if that's what Sunday was like? Christians gather together, and their great longing was, more Jesus, please, more Jesus, please. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to see Jesus together. Now, Verse 14, some of you are new, and the rest of us, we forgot January. 
So just a little review, I am writing these things to you. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, a pastor of a church in Ephesus, hoping to come to you before long. It's about 65 AD. It's believed that when Acts ends, the Apostle Paul gets uh, released from prison and he travels around for a while on some missionary journeys that are not recorded in the scriptures. And then he would get arrested again and would be martyred under Nero. This was written in the in-between time. Uh, the reason he wants to come to Ephesus is he wants to help Timothy, but it was a very unstable time, and every day Christians were being arrested and martyred, so he wasn't quite sure whether he would ever get them there or not. Since he wasn't sure he'd get there, he wrote the letter, hoping to come to you. And what he's doing is he's teaching Timothy, how to lead a church in turbulent times. Do you feel like we're in turbulent times? Do you know the church has always been in turbulent times? Do you realize that? And so Paul was teaching Timothy how to, be, how to lead through turbulent times. And we've learned the last few weeks how important leadership is, right? And how we need Jesus to lead ourselves. And we're all called to lead ourselves, aren't we? And that's the most difficult person we'll ever lead is ourselves. We, first, we learn to lead ourselves and then we begin to lead in our family, and, and then we begin to lead in the church, and then, and then in the wider community, right? Oh, so Paul is teaching Timothy how to lead his church well, how to show people Jesus in turbulent times. <clears throat> I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. Uh, I love the church. I've given my whole life to the church. You know why? Because the church is the family of God. That once we connect to Jesus, one of the most important questions we ask as disciples is, where do I belong? Where do I belong? And you know where I belong? I belong in His church. Do you know how many people tell me, you know, I don't feel at home in our culture. Do you know we're not supposed to? We're, we belong in His church. Here's where people believe in Jesus. Here's where people believe in God's Word. Here's where our, we're in our culture on a mission, but this is our family. This is where people think like us and believe like us. We're God's family. Wow. The church is the household of God, which is the church of the living God. See the word church? The Greek word for church is ekklesia. Ekklesia. And I love the word. The word ek means out of. And kaleo means to be called out. So the church are those called out of the culture. They're called out of the world into God's family. And in Greek, the idea of ecclesia had the idea of a meeting or assembly. So when we invite someone to come to church, that really is biblical. Not, not the building, but the, the gathered church. Listen, when we invite someone to come to church or we say we're going to church, that's exactly, we, we come together. It's the God's people brought together. Indeed, when people ask me, smiley, well, where is good news? I say, well, on Sunday or Monday. And they'll say, what? And I say, well, on Sundays, we have two campuses. We gather together. We're the church gather, gather. But listen, Monday through, scatter, th Monday through Saturday, we're deployed we're the church deployed where we live, work, and play to make disciples. Oh, let me show you something. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. I love coming to church. I love my small group because here's where people think like me. At the people in my culture, they don't think like me. This is God's family. We're not strangers and aliens. We're part of God's family. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So Jesus is building his church. The cornerstone is Jesus. The apostles and prophets, they gave us the newer testament. They gave us the newer testament. That's the foundation of the church. And where do we fit in? in whom the whole body, the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Um, you ever read through the Bible? In the Old Testament, you read about the tabernacle, all the cloth, the material. Do you know why that's so important? Because that's where God's glory dwelt in the Older Testament. God dwelt in His tabernacle. And then a little later we read what? the temple, and how the temple was built. And then the glory of God filled the temple, right? And the temple was really special because that's where God dwelt. And then we get to the Newer Testament, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory. So where did God dwell? In Jesus. And then what happened? Jesus ascended into heaven, and He poured out the Holy Spirit, and now He dwells in His church. Yes, the Spirit dwells in us individually, but especially in His church gathered. We're where God dwells. We're His body. We're His body gathered. We're His body scattered. There is a place we belong. Uh, in the household of God. Oh, I love this. The church of the living God. I love that, don't you? Do you know there are many religions in our world? How do we know Christianity is true? Because our leader's tomb is empty. He's the living God. He was dead. He's alive. Follow the one who rose from the grave. We hey, do you know why we meet on Sunday? I mean, Jewish people had met on Saturday for thousands of years. And then what happened? A dead man got up and walked out of the tomb. That's why we meet on Sunday, because we're the church of the living God. <laughs> oh, remember when Moses says, God, what's your name? He said, what? I am who I am. I am. I just am. I'm the living God. This week, I'm reading through the Older Testament, and, and I get the story of David and Goliath. Many of you know the story. This big giant comes out every day, and he taunts the armies of the living God. And in 1 Samuel, look at this verse. It's so good. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the, the living God? Throughout the scriptures, God is known as the living God. Aren't you glad that our God's alive? Aren't you? You guys there? Yes, right? And he's not a dead God. He's not a, an idol. Uh, so who are we? We're the family of God. We're the household of God. We're His temple. We're His body. And now, that's our identity, now our purpose. We are the pillar and support of the truth. Our purpose is to proclaim the truth, and particularly the gospel. 
We're here on earth to believe the gospel and defend the gospel and advance the gospel. We're here to proclaim the truth of God's word. The church exists to be the pillar and support of the truth. Don't we live in a confused culture? Don't we? Why are we here? We have a mission. We're the pillar and support of the truth. Uh, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. And the message we preach is the mystery of godliness. What? Um, Whenever the word mystery occurs in the New Testament, it's talking about Jesus and he's talking about the gospel. Let me show you that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See the word mystery there? In the Bible, a mystery is not something dark and mysterious like a a murder mystery. Uh, In the Bible, a mystery is something we would never have figured out on our own. But once God reveals it, he reveals it to everyone. And when Paul gets so excited, do you hear what he says, what really excites him? Uh, to make known what are the riches of the glory uh, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The Christian life is about Christ in you, and that's the hope of glory. Well, it's funny, all religions teach the same thing, do they? Do all religions teach that Christ moves into the hearts of his people and fills them with hope? <laughs> oh, so thankful to be a Christian, right? So thankful to know Jesus, aren't you? Do you? <laughs> Um, you see, the Bible says we have a problem called sin. That's the gospel uh, sin. And do you know most people in our culture are halfway there understanding the gospel? I mean, they're halfway understanding our sinfulness because we hear all the time, what? Well, um, nobody's perfect. You ever heard that? Don't people say that? Well, nobody's perfect. Or people say, what, when they do something wrong, I'm just, just human, right? So, so we're kind of halfway there that we understand we're not perfect, we understand that we're human, and there's something about being human and flawed at the same time, but what people struggle to understand is that we're sinners. It's not just that we sin, it's that we're sinners. The Bible says that we are not sinners because we sin, we sin because we're sinners. And what makes sin so bad is we sin against God. Over and over, every sin is a crime against God. And God is just, And God is holy, and he can't wink at sin and and let us in the back door. God says what what we deserve for what we've done is hell. And we say, well, if we're sinners and we deserve hell, what can we do? Nothing. That's the bad news. But the good news is Christ. The good news is that God the Son put on flesh and came to earth to seek and save sinners like you and me. He lived a perfect life. Then he went to the cross. Do you want to know what the God of the Bible is like? Do you want to know what makes the Christian faith unique? The cross, God declares he's just, and sin must be punished. And from the cross, God declares that God is love. So the sinless one took our sins upon himself because God is love and God is just, and he died to satisfy the demands of a just God that sin be punished. And at the same time, he provided a way for sinners like you and me to be forgiven. 
So Jesus died on the cross saying, it is finished. He was buried. But the third day, what? He walked out of the grave. You know what that proved? That he had paid the penalty for sin because the penalty for sin is death. And since he walked out, the penalty for death has been paid. And he offers to us eternal life. Do you know what that means? He offers to forgive us of all of our sins. You ever done anything wrong? Man, wouldn't you like to go to bed forgiven? You know what eternal life is? the chance to do life with Jesus. It's not about doing our best. It's about Jesus moving into us and living his life in and through us, doing in us that we could never do on our own. You know what it is? It's doing eternity with him. And uh, what does he require of us? That we receive him as Savior and Lord. Um, any of you like a good deal? Anybody in here like a good deal? Oh, man. Th- this is a free gift. It's free. It's, did, did I tell you it's free? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will commend him and will dine with him and he with me. I remember hearing that for the first time and saying, wait a minute. You're saying I could be forgiven of all my sins? Yes. You're saying that I could do life with Jesus. I could do eternity with him? That was the most amazing offer I've ever heard in my life, isn't it you? And so there was a day where I received Jesus as Savior and Lord. And if you've never done that, won't you? I mean, it's the deal of the century. I simply said, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry, won't you? You can do that right where you are. I'd be glad to help you when we're through. Jesus, I've sinned against you. I believe that you died on the cross for my I'd always heard that, but then I understood it. Do you? That he died for my sins and yours. And then I received him. Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me. And, and he did, and, and give me eternal life. Do you know how good it is to go at bed, to bed at night knowing I'm forgiven and, and to know that, that, that I'm going to live forever? And I said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. And he did. <laughs> Listen, I've been following him for over 50 years. He does a much better job than I ever did in leading my life, and he'll do with yours too. Um, did you hear what he said? <clears throat> I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, will dine with him, and he with me. That's what Colossians is talking about. That's the mystery, right? Remember what I said, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you're a Christian, Jesus has moved in. Now he's your Savior and Lord, and he, and he fills us with hope. Do you know how many people in our culture have no hope? And do, do you know how many people are on anti-anxiety medicine because they're so overwhelmed? And you know what happens to Christians? Jesus moves in. And you know what he fills us with? Hope. You know what it means to know Jesus? Our failures, and I've got plenty of them, are not fatal. I'm forgiven. The hope of glory, right? Listen, our lives are not futile. We do life with a friend. We do life with purpose. Wow. And listen, our death is not final. The best is yet to come. So what is the church here to show people Jesus? We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Listen, we want to win people to Christ. We want to build believers. We want to equip workers. We want to multiply disciple makers. We want you to be complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Um, So back to 1 Timothy 
Aren't you glad to be a Christian? Are you kidding me? Jesus lives in us. I've got a friend who's moved in. He says, he's never leaving. Uh, by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, I have to share with you, godliness used to always bother me because I, I didn't think of myself as a godly person uh, because I'm not a good person, but that's not what godliness means. So I want to show you the word. Uh, you see, the word godliness is eusebia, E-U meaning well, like we talk about a eulogy to speak well of someone. And just to show me my flaws, I put Serbia in there instead of Sebia. Like I really need to work at showing you my flaws, right? But what the word Sebia means is devoted. What godliness really means is that we're well devoted to Jesus. Oh, that's true of me. Is it true of you? I'm very, very flawed, but I love Jesus, don't you? And I want to follow him, don't you? And I've walked after him for a long, long time, haven't you? Oh. And, then, and then what happens here, I, I love this, uh, by common confession that, that this is either a hymn that the church would sing when they gathered together, or it's a creed, a creed that they would say because truth is what holds us together. It's, it's a creed or it's a hymn. But it's so good, it's all about Jesus. What does a church do? We show people Jesus, he who was revealed in the flesh. Listen, what we believe is that God put on flesh and came to earth, right? In the beginning, or, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you ever just marvel at that? The one who made everything put on flesh and came and was born as a human being. He, he lived and grew just like us, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glorious, the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, he was vindicated in the Spirit. H have you ever noticed how involved the Holy Spirit is in the life of Jesus? If you're new, we believe there's one God, and yet He exists in three persons. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And throughout the life of Jesus, the word vindicated, authenticated, <laughs> Wasn't Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit, wasn't he? Remember how the angel said that to Mary, you're going to have the Savior. And Mary says, how can I? Because I'm a virgin and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. At his baptism, the Holy Spirit filled Jesus. He was filled with the Spirit. The Bible says he was led by the Spirit. The Bible says that he was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. And isn't it the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes so that we can see Jesus and respond? Isn't it the Holy Spirit in our lives who says, look at Jesus, isn't that the life you want to have? Live, follow him, follow him, follow him. Revealed in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels. Aren't there angels everywhere in the life of Jesus? Wasn't it an angel who announced to Mary that, that you'll be the mother of the Savior? And when Joseph... When Joseph didn't believe Mary, wasn't it an angel appeared to Joseph and said, she's telling you the truth? And the shepherds, the shepherds, how did they hear the good news? Wasn't it angels who, who announced the good news? And after Jesus was tempted, wasn't it angels who strengthened him? But my favorite is the women who came to the tomb. Remember what the angel said? Why do you seek the living one among the dead? Isn't that good? Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's risen, and here's the best part, just like he said, don't you love that? He's risen just like he said. Oh, seen by angels, 
proclaimed among the nations since the time that the Spirit fell and the church was birthed, the gospel is being preached among the, the nations, believed on in the world. There are people all over the world who believe in Jesus, taken up in glory. After Jesus appeared to his disciples for 40 days, then he ascended into heaven and he's coming back, right? See, church leaders show people Jesus. And if we're going to show people Jesus as church leaders and as a church, we need to understand there are two marks of the church. There are two marks of the church. The, first, the, the two marks are truth and love. Truth and love. So let's begin with truth. Remember back in verse 15, the pillar and support of the truth. So if we as leaders and we as a church and we as disciple makers are going to so, show people Jesus, it's going to involve the truth. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 8, uh, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word. Do you know some people who used to walk with Christ and now they don't? Do you see the word? The mark of his disciples is they, what they continue in his word. If you continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. One of the marks of the church is truth. The church is the pillar and support of the truth. And then the second mark of the church, the second mark of the church is love. It's love. That's why we were reading about the church, how one ought to conduct oneself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. We're family. We're loved people, love one another. And so Jesus also said that one of the marks of his church would be love. After he washed the disciples' feet in John 13, remember Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And you say, well, weren't people in the Old Testament supposed to love one another? They were. They were called to love their neighbor, right? But what makes this new is we're especially to love one another, and then the standard's been raised as Jesus has loved us. So Jesus loves us so we can love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus says all the people in our county have a right to determine whether we're a true church, whether we're disciples or not, based upon do we love one another. So the two marks of the church, we have truth on one side and we have love on the other. Uh, isn't there a tension between the two? How do we show the love and truth at the same time? Hmm? I've shared with you before, some of you have been here a long time, that one of my favorite books is Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. You want a good book, Dr. Paul Brand, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, and he's an MD, and he said the more he studied the human body, the more he came to appreciate the church as the body of Christ. He says, the way God designed our earthly bodies is we have bones, and bones are really hard, but bones are on the inside. And then he says, God gave us skin for the outside, and skin is warm and pliable. So he said, <clears throat> now let me ask you a question. Where do lobsters wear their bones? On the outside. And he says, the problem with many churches is they're lobster churches. It's all truth and no love. It's just truth. And then he asked the question, well, where do jellyfish wear their bones? Someone said inside, they don't have any. Ah, you see, jellyfish have no bones. And are there not jellyfish churches? I mean, judge not lest you be judged. God is love. 
But what we're called to do, he says, like our earthly bodies, in our earthly bodies, we have bones, they're hard, they're unbending, but they're surrounded by skin. Ah, don't you love to be hugged by a person? You know why? Because there's what? There's bones on the inside, right? But there's skin on the outside. And that's what we're to be is his body. We have truth that doesn't change. It's on the inside. It's surrounded by love on the outside. And we say, well, what would that look like? Doesn't Jesus show us? Are we not his body? And when Jesus was here, what did people see? John 1:14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glorious of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. When we look at Jesus, what do we see? We see him with the woman at the well, right? And so Jesus, we see love that he crosses geographical and racial and sex barriers to talk to an immoral Samaritan woman, doesn't he? We see grace and love. But don't we see truth? <laughs> doesn't he say, you know what? You're an immoral woman. You've been married five times and the person you're living with now is not even your spouse. And the result of truth and love was that she was converted and went to her town and the whole town was converted. If you really want to know what God is like, just look at the cross. The cross makes no sense if God were not truth and love, right? There is truth. We've sinned and sin will be punished. There is love. Christ paid the penalty so that we could live with him forever. So, what we've learned is that church leaders show people Jesus. We're here as the church to show people truth and love, the truth and love of Christ. So our action step for the week is to show people Jesus. Isn't that great? That's what we're called to do, is to show people Jesus. Um, now, to do that, to show people Jesus, we need a church home. And you say, why? Because that's where God dwells in the world today is in his people. And we need a church home because we need a place for us to be taught the truth. We need a place for us to be taught the truth. We need a place for us to be loved so we can love. We are needy and needed in the local church. We need the local church because we need to be taught and we need to be loved. But we're needed that we have a function to play. We're here to, to share that truth with others and to love. We're needy and needed in the church. We're needy and needed in our community. We're needed in our community. We have what our culture needs, the truth and love of Jesus. Do we live in a morally confused culture? We do, right? Well, who's got the truth? Well, we do. It's so important that we speak truth. We share the gospel, the bad news and good news, and invite people to respond. It's important we teach people that God created us, that God instituted marriage, that there's two sexes, that sex belongs in marriage. If we don't, who will? But you know what else our culture needs desperately? They need grace and love. We live in a canceled culture. If you do one thing wrong, you're canceled, and there's no way back. How many hopeless people are there who would love to know that when we believe in Jesus, our failures are not fatal and our lives are not futile and our death is not final? And that's why to show people Jesus means it's important that on Sundays we gather together. And when we gather together, we don't gather as lobsters, all truth and no love. And we don't gather as jellyfish of all love and, and no truth, but we gather 
as members of the body of Christ. And when we gather together, we all have an important function. You know what your function is on Sunday morning? Everything I say is offensive to people in our culture. When I talk about Jesus being the way, when I talk about what marriage is or the proper place for sex, that is completely against our culture. And if all people do is come in and, and hear truth, they'll think we're lobsters. You know what they'll do? They'll just run away. But you know what happens when you come early and you welcome people and you love one another? Then people come in and say, wow. These people have something that I want. And it's the love of Christ, it's the love and warmth of God's people that keeps people around long enough for the truth to change them. That's why it's so important we gather as members of the body. All of us have an important function to play as we gather together. That's Sundays. And then on Mondays, right? Monday through Saturday, we scatter as the body of Christ. We go out to show people Jesus. We go out as needy, needed people. We go out to share Jesus. We need Jesus as much as anybody else does, but we're needed. Let's not scatter as lobsters. Let's not scatter as jellyfish. Let's have strong convictions on the inside, surrounded by love on the outside. We are members of the body of Christ, sent out to show people Jesus' truth and love. Well, how do we do that smiling? Oh, I love God's Word, don't you? Last year, we're reading through the Newer Testament, and I came to 1 Corinthians 16. And I know some of you say you're old, you can't memorize Scripture. I'm old, too. But I love God's Word. And I can memorize Scripture, and so can you. And, and here's what I learned about showing people Jesus. Be on the alert. If we're going to show people Jesus... Listen, we need to learn to be on the alert. <laughs> be on the alert for opportunities to speak truth. Be on the alert for the opportunity to show love. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Oh. Have you noticed many Christians are abandoning the faith because our culture is beginning hostile? I plead with you, stand firm in the faith. Believe the gospel. Defend the gospel. Advance the gospel. Listen, don't abandon the truth just because of a growing hostility. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. I love that. Hey, men, we live in a culture that says we're toxic. God made us men for a purpose. And if there's anything our culture needs, if there's anything our church needs, if there's anything our families need, are men who love Jesus. I do, do you? Will you join me? We so desperately need men who love Jesus, who want to follow Jesus, who want to bring their family, families after Jesus, who want to work in their church, will you? Listen, we would love nothing more than all the world to disciple you and equip you where you could go and disciple others and others that we could reproduce men who love Jesus. Yes, we need women too. We have lots of women who want to grow. Oh, I love that. Act like men. Be strong. Now listen, all of that, that's all the truth side, right? <laughs> that's all the truth side. Then it moves on to the love side, right? Let all that you do be done in love. Oh, We've gathered together. Can you imagine what could happen this week if we were deployed? We were deployed to show people Jesus. And how did we do it? We were on the alert. We stood. 
We stood firm in the faith. We acted like men and women. We were strong. Wouldn't we stand out in our culture if all that we did was done in love? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for showing us what it would look like to be full of love and truth. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and rising and offering us eternal life. Listen, if you've never received Jesus as Savior and Lord, one day it'll be too late. Don't wait till it's too late. If you hear him knocking on your door, he's here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be the Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Oh, Jesus, I pray for all of us that we would want to show people Jesus. That when we gather on Sundays, we would gather because we need truth and we need love and we are needy and needed in your body. And Lord, I pray as we're deployed during the week that we would go out on a mission to show people Jesus. That we would be alert. That we'd stand firm in the faith that we'd act like men and women of God, that we would show and do all that we do in love. Lord, help us to show people Jesus this week. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.